Welcome to Real 45, episode 31. I'm going for the rap myself. This is episode 31. I'm Greg Hancock. I'm with my good old buddy, my partner. I don't really know how to... <laughs> I, I was listening to some of our interviews the other day. Steph and Janelle, welcome to the Real 45 podcast with Greg Hancock. Thank you. <laughs> I was listening to some of our recordings the other day. And I started laughing because I introduced you as my partner to oh. when, we, when we were at the Polish consulate or, or something. I said, yeah, me and my partner. And I thought, I wonder if people think that you and I are like together, like an item. We need to make a real 45 ring. Yeah. Like a, <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is my partner. And then we hold, we hold hands or something. <laughs> we should do that. This is my partner, Seven and I. <laughs> we're both happily married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> Absolutely, right? Yeah. You, could, <laughs> yeah, you could rock it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, wait, we're back after another great week. We've been on the gas, you know, both you and I doing doing our regular day jobs and having yeah. fun with the podcast. But have you really been busy or are you just telling me you are? I'm telling you are. I have this, uh, I had friends from Denmark. Netherlands, Finland, Germany, England, and Sweden over this weekend. You have friends in all those places? Yes. Cool yeah, places. You... Oh, man. And, okay. All right. So how do you become friends with people in all those places? Are you just a, are you just a traveler or are you like a, you know? No, I'm, I'm, a, a, I'm a member of something that's called the round table. That oh, is, yes. And this network is, it's a network. Uh, and uh, I think we are all over the world. And all of these clubs, like the one that I am in, in Hotelia, it's called 125. So we have numbers. So the number clubs in all of those other countries met, we are meeting every year. Oh, so the, the number represents the, like the country or the... Not a club. Or so in, club. in every country, we have we have a number for each club that are okay different places. So in, like in Sweden, for instance, you how many clubs are there around Sweden? Oh, I don't know actually. I think there are like two or two thousand five hundred members in Sweden. Ooh, in total. Right. That's a lot. That's quite a bit, huh? Yeah, and we do a lot of these get-together things, uh, and it's really cool to meet all of these other guys from Europe. To see because we we are hosted at their houses so when i go to germany for example i, I live in a uh, living in another house from another brother mm -hmm. what we call it brothers you know yeah like me <laughs> and you we're twin brothers from another mother, from another yeah. mother. <laughs> true <laughs> i just don't know how to to go around this <laughs> that's okay i can i can uh, elaborate for you i'm pretty good at just making stuff up Good. <laughs> so, and so these guys all flew in from different parts of the world to Sweden this time, or? Yeah, we met in uh, Notelia this time. Cool, man. That's quite, uh, a, it's quite an organization. Yeah, it's really cool. And we have this uh, there for four days, so Thursday to Sunday. And uh, we were the organizer of this one. So we had a lot of fun. That's Jet skis, yeah. beers, of course. Uh, and then on the Saturdays, we always have a gala, gala dinner. 
with smokings and otaxidos. I don't know. I, like I think it's smoking in, in Italia <laughs> or in Swedish. <laughs> yes, that's right, smoking. I, and I guess that's probably an international term as well, but I hadn't heard it for a lot of years until I, I had to rent a smoking for a, for a gala. Oh. And I was like, uh, Jenny said that to me. She's like, yeah, we need to get it. Uh, you got to get a smoking for you. And I was like, what? What is that? <laughs> What's this? I don't never smoked a day in my life. <laughs> what do you mean? You know? So. Well, I can also get a tuxedo. <laughs> yeah, but I think that the, the smoking thing is really cool because you always know what to wear, and we wear them a lot. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're used to you know fixing your tie, the bow tie, and yeah, yeah. I do it myself. You know, not the the bow tie. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't doubt it because you're you're a pretty talented, dude. Yeah, I watched YouTube for like forty minutes before I got it. <laughs> The oh. same video over and over again. <laughs> this is good. This yeah. is good. <laughs> See, you just figure stuff out. That's like for me, I'd have to call somebody and get someone to come over and show me. You just figure it out. I don't got time to call somebody. I'm gonna just do it now. I will yeah. do it myself. You're a problem <laughs> exactly. solver. Exactly. You need to do that. <laughs> so that's round table. Well, you know, I have my own network. Yeah. I do. You, I don't know if you know this or not, but I have my own network, and it's called the Oval Table. Oh, and you're yeah. how how many people is it? One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm kind of like a one man wolf pack, so I've got my one man <laughs> my oval table, and I just race around it. Oh, you do? Yeah, you, know, you know. Then you're four people at a time. Than oval. Yeah, there's normally like four of us, and there's quite a few clubs. There's about like eight clubs, I think, here in Sweden. You know, you should then, do that. Like, like past oval mem, oval table members. <laughs> I'm gonna like make like when, when you when you when you quit and then you can go to the other club. To race. <laughs> that's so. <laughs> that's the oval table members with the rest area. Exactly. <laughs> take a pause. Yeah, that's right for sure. For sure. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So we have a lot in common, you know, in my in my oval table group. We have clubs all around the world. You know, we've got like Sweden, Denmark, we've got Germany, we've got Poland, uh, we've got Italy, Czech Republic, we've got the US, Australia. Dude, we're, we're, we're pretty big. Yeah, you are. You know, I, I can't even begin to tell you how many members are actually involved, but you know, a couple of thousands, millions. Yeah, it's just a number. <laughs> it's just a number. <laughs> <laughs> it's no. really cool it's really similar in one, way. in one way it is right when you think yeah. about it and you've got wherever i go in the world i can make a phone call and we have this group and i don't know if we're as loyal to each other as you guys might be but i'd like to think that a few of them i am with yeah you guys, you like guys are yeah <laughs> so it should be all right uh, yeah. anyway this week's episode I was down in Småland uh, on my own this time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we end up being like that, huh? We're in, we can't be in the same place all the time. So True. during my, my recent trip down to Småland, I was over at uh, Magnus Frodig's place at the MX World Collection. And lo and behold, the, the infamous, world famous, all around smoking cool dude, Hans Andersen, the Danish writer and a good buddy of mine from, from way back. 
he came scooting on by and dropped in and I'd been trying to hook up with him to, to grab a podcast for quite a few weeks and we've talked about it and talked about it and we're close to meeting up in Poland a few weeks back. Didn't work out because of me, of course, you know, me and my <laughs> Billy schedule and, but we made it, we made it happen. And we sat down in, in Magnus office in inside the museum and locked the doors and just pressed record and had a really, really cool episode. Oh, so I don't, I don't even know if you've got to hear it yet, but I haven't. He's a cool guy. We we talked about life. We talked about what he's done. He was actually a a tool maker from the beginning. That's what his apprenticeship was. Growing up, he did that and started racing in in different leagues and working at the same time. Be, uh, at the same time, traveling between Sweden back to Denmark, Denmark to Poland, and coming back and going straight back to work the following day. And you have to hear it. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. This is, it's a lesson for some of the youngsters today who, who haven't had the, the ultimate opportunity to really know what it's like to work and ride at the same time. So it's an eye opener. And I think, you know, guys like Luke Becker will get a kick out of listening to this himself and seeing how hard determination work. to make it hard work. It doesn't, nothing's handed to you on a silver platter and Hans has done all that and quite an interesting guy. He's a big family man, so much respect for his idols and, and people around him, sponsors, mechanics, and, you know, he, he's got some funny stuff that he's, that he's done, and, and yeah, you have to hear it. Yeah, I'm really curious about it, so I'm doing that right after this. Cool, man. Yeah. So, uh, that's about it. I, you got to listen up, so. Here he is. With that being said. Yeah, we should just let it roll. And thanks to all of you guys for listening. Be sure to follow us. Check us out on, on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, at Real45Podcast. Share us, like us, throw us some comments. We're always looking for, for feedback and questions or concerns. Right, Stephen? True. Really true. And we will try to, to make the, the YouTube more interesting, too, in the future. There's, there's some exciting things on the go, right? We haven't uh, put out the full edit from our recent uh, trip to, to New York, but uh, it'll be coming soon. Yeah, so listen up to, to us. You got it. Thanks, you guys. See you next week. See ya. Welcome to Real 45 with Stefan and Greg Hancock. We vibe out and have real talk, so tune in and check this out. Yeah. Today I'm here with... Uh, I classify as a, a good buddy and a guy I've spent many years racing with, against, and probably more against than with, but always a pleasure. Hans Anderson, welcome to our podcast and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be on. I know we've been talking about getting together for, for a while, you know, and trying to fit in a day here and there, and you were even prepared to, to drive from Lejno to Rotslav to, to meet me at one time, and I, I couldn't uh, commit to the time, but... Uh, you're the man. That's that's just you in a nutshell. <laughs> well, I do my best, and you know, it, it's a, it's a good podcast, and obviously, it's a pleasure for me to be on. And like you said, with our traveling schedule nowadays, it, it's very hard when we're not in in the same teams. But luckily, we sat down here now having this chat. That's right. And here we are. We're sitting in uh, this this rad, this beautiful place, the MX World Collection. Uh, we have our first match in. Uh, home match tonight in Dakana. So we're thanks Magnus gave us a nice place to sit down and, and catch up and grab a cup of coffee. 
Coffee is very important. Coffee is very important. And it's, uh, it's a key point for our social gathering right now. I keep trying to get Luke Becker to drink coffee, and he's, you know, he's still a young punk. He's very young. Yeah, he's, he's still, yeah, he's got a long way to go, right? He's got a lot to learn. Especially in Europe, he needs to be a coffee drinker. Yeah, so I told him he won't make it unless he starts drinking coffee. He might as well just go home now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, if, we, if we turn the focus back to Hans Anderson, um, we have, obviously, we, we've been friends on and off the track for, for a long time, but I'm here to kind of, this podcast has been really, really cool, catching up with old buddies, but writers of interest. For me, it's people that I've been involved with in my career from the beginning right up to present day. And I still look at you as one of the younger guys in the game, which you are, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I am. I still f- find myself being young, but uh, my birth certificate says something different. Um, <laughs> but, but the way I look at it, I am. I still got a few years um, on you, so still got time to go. You, yeah, and you just told me about that too. You know, you you still look at yourself as being young, and the day that I hang it up is the day you're going to go. Yeah, people keep asking me, do you, you know what you're going to do when you finish riding? And I said, no, because I still love riding my bike, as you do. And I know we two had this conversation a couple of years ago, and I said, I told you, I said, mate, you're just going to keep doing what you're doing because you're not going into age specific but you're 10 years older than me and it's so you've always been someone that I looked up to and the day you hang your Kevlar's is the day I can see my career um coming to an end because that 10 year gap it goes within a flash dude you can't put that on me no I can't be in charge of your career come on (laughs) (laughs) yeah well you are a good role model not only to me but so many people in the world of speed we've been you know a genuine nice guy and you know, stop it! <laughs> I'm making you flush. Yeah, that's right. You see it? Yeah. I'm gonna start sweating now. Oh, uh, <laughs> nah, you know, it is good. And like you said, we've we've had a long history of racing against each other. Um, not many many places we've actually teamed up, but it's nice to team up as well. Um, end of the day, you the people you meet uh, is your colleagues, whether you ride against them or, or with them, because you do so much travelling together and it's just nicer to see your mates and who wouldn't want to go to work with your mates every day that's that must be a left a lesson a life lesson for a lot of people you know if you don't love what you do and you can hear that you really love what you do otherwise you wouldn't do it but those things you that we spend so much time with the guys our mechanics if we even turn it to that i just had a, you know having breakfast with your mechanic this morning and talking to him and he showed me how many miles you have on your van <laughs> and he said if you get to a million miles it's yours the van's yours he told yep. your mechanic <laughs> yeah i told him you know yeah. uh, kilometers i should kilometers say, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's done over 800,000 now um, <laughs> a good english saying is if it's not broken don't fix it right and, and, and it's still going uh, obviously we're very cautious of it but it does the job and like i said to him you know, get it to a million and it's yours. And oh, what a deal. He really wants a new van. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but he also <laughs> likes the idea of getting a vehicle for free. <laughs> Cheap is good, but free is best. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't get like that? Uh, so he, <laughs> so if he looks at it like that, so let's give Volkswagen a plug here because you got a Volkswagen. Is it a transporter? Transporter. So that's got to be a, a lesson, right? It's <laughs> been very reliable. Um, and is one thing as a speedway rider, one thing the rider gets to the track is easy because we just fly, 
but we, you know, the mechanics, they spend so much time in the vehicles, traveling country to country, up various motorways. And, you know, if the van breaks down, it's, it's, a, big, it's a big problem because the bikes <laughs> won't get there in time. And, you know, bigger plows to a Volkswagen. Totally right. And you, you take care of, of course, you got to service it like your bikes. You got to take care of the thing. Otherwise, it's not going to get you from A to B. But. Everything nowadays needs service and even the wife. Yeah, that's it. Amen right there. <laughs> you heard it right from the mouth. <laughs> Everyone needs a service here and there. So it keeps us happy. <laughs> yep. Uh, your mechanic, going back to that, those 800,000 Ks that I saw on your Speedo today, <laughs> how many of those k's did you guys spend together you know so this is where the like it's, it's a relationship right it is and uh, like you know yourself sometimes it, it is a bit of a problem with mechanics working for you because obviously you spend so much time together you turn into very good mates and some sometimes uh, not saying that they get disrespectful but end of the day you are still their boss and sometimes when things go wrong you know, you can have a little bit of an argument and stuff, but end of the day, you're still back to, to the friendship base. And even like my mechanic says, if we can't tell each other the truth, but, you know, it doesn't work. That's a good mechanic right there. It is, and my mechanic is old school as well. He, he does things, the way that I, would do. So that's probably why he's he's been stuck with me for a long time because we're pretty similar in many ways. And like you say, mechanic riders, it is a relationship. Because if it doesn't work, mechanic rider in between, it won't last. Totally. And end of the day, it's not about me scoring the points on track because I'm just as reliable on having good mechanics as bikes. You got to have that. There's and no they, iron team. No, for sure. That's why it's a team. Mm -hmm. you know? And then they, even with my guys too, I have, I can be with you. Our guy, My guys are old school too, but... That, that feeling of, of trust and honesty or, or honoring or loving what you do. But sometimes we have we have disagreements and we have arguments. Or, and, and I hate to call them arguments, but they pretty much are. Disagreements. Yeah, disagreements are good, right? Yeah, it sounds better. <laughs> yeah. And I would never fly off the handle at them in the pits in front of other people. I might show some... You know, of I, I try to grin and bear it, but you, you wouldn't start slapping in like other riders do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you guys do that? Uh, I've seen some, but I can't mention yeah. names. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I've seen a lot of videos. I've seen a lot of never, videos. Yeah. I've never heard anything. It's a short person. Yeah. That's the only thing I can say. There you go. I'm pretty short. <laughs> <laughs> Most people are riders are short. That's right. But you go, we always take our discussions after the races out of sight. And then, you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, you can have a heated moment. It's really hard to grit your teeth and just get through it. But I've probably let it out once in a while, but tried to turn my head and do it. And then you go into the, the van afterwards and like, listen, guys, that shouldn't have happened. You mm -hmm. know, we've been doing this for a long time. And, and you always work it out. And in the end, one's going, yeah, I'm sorry. Maybe I made that mistake. I shouldn't have done that or whatever. And we all, you know, we shake hands. We're not going to do that again. We learn from it. And you crack open a, a bottle of water or whatever you crack open and, and make a cheers and get Tomorrow's on Tomorrow's a new day. Yeah, that's it. But it's the same in it, like with other riders as well. You can have disagreements on the track, and many, many of them are heat at the moment. Um, but in general, you respect your colleagues on the track, and you know, no one has more respect for another guy if he holds his hand and says, "Right, I was in wrong. You know, sorry," and and stuff. And that's probably why you see people get a bit tense now. Sometimes, if, if you'll have some riders riding very over the limit and riding you very hard, and, and it's never their fault, apparently. Always, right? Mm -hmm. I, I still go back to uh, one of your 
your colleagues knees out. Now your Danish team manager, uh, Mr. Hans Nielsen, and I've probably mentioned this before, but I, the best story <laughs> that I have of him, and it was in my early days, I was riding for Cradley. I was a young punk, you know, early 20s, 2021, whatever I was at the time, racing for Cradley at Oxford and uh, had a had a really good race at Hans. And I was, I was leading him going down the back straightaway and he came in quite hard and uh, gave me a nice little nudge and I went down. <laughs> And uh, I was so frustrated, and they excluded me for some reason. And mm-hmm. I came back in the pits, you know, and, and I remember Hans walked over to me, and he's like, what happened? Did you run into my back wheel? <laughs> and I just went, I almost oh, lost it, you know, and I just thought, that guy was the biggest hero of ever, you know, standing there. And suddenly he just made me feel so small, and I was like, I hate that guy. He's not a hero anymore, you know, you're so angry, what have you. But I just thought... That was the biggest learning curve of my career. And hearing him say that made me realize then, like, okay, this is how it works. <laughs> it's a mental game more than it is just riding the bike. you got to play the game, right? Some people so. just have always been good at getting in other riders' heads. Oh, Because when you roll up next to them at the tapes, you've already lost the race for some reason. It's right. It's true. And and they some guys are really good at it. And it, you don't just get over it quick. Some guys might be better, but... Mm-hmm. I could stew on it and I could lay in bed at night and think about it and think about it and then try not to show it. But after a while, you work it out and you think, <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, I probably lost a few heats because of that, but I'm not going to let it happen again till the next time. Till next time. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. You as a person, the way you are today, that must have come from somewhere. So if we go back to your childhood and growing up, how did you get into speedway? I mean, were you into it as a were you a little racer as a kid or it's a funny story. My my dad always had the interest of um speedway. But his dad passed away in an early age, so he had to take over the family so he couldn't afford to ride himself. All right. But he always followed and it goes back to eighty four, what's in the world final of Olivier. Um I was three years old and from that day I was hooked Watching my still today um, hero and idol Eric Gunderson won, win his first world championship. Amen. I know. Um, and I just said to me, Dad, I want to be a spear rider. And he, oh. and and a year after that, I was still kept going on about being a spear rider. He bought me a PW50. So the funny thing is, I could ride as a bike, but not as a bicycle without stabilizers. But riding a bike was easy. And it just carried on from then. I sort of always wanted to be a rider. And at the age of nine, I started doing con- uh, competitive racing till the following year. You know, as in, in Denmark, we, we start pretty early and it, it's pretty professional with leagues and individual meetings. And it just carried on from then. I've, I've was never, never pushed into being a rider. I always wanted to be a rider, to be a rider myself. And... Both me, me dad and, and mum was very supportive of me and, you know, paid all the stuff until you start making money and you can support yourself. And for that, I'm very thankful, um, of course. And like you said, why are you a person like you are? And for me, it's very important. On the way up, you meet a lot of people. And if you piss on people on the way up, you're going to get very wet on the way down because you meet the same people again. And end of the day, I don't see myself any better than anyone else because it's on track. And yeah. I just know it's just nice to be a down to to earth person. And I've always been 
helpful, even if he's a fellow competitor needed help or whatever. Uh, I would borrow him something because for me, the racing is done on the track and not off track. That's that's very much you as a person, I think, too. As, as hard as people can look at you or hard as riders you can be, you're that's just one part you know then you come off the track and everything is just yeah this is what it is you know it's one mm-hmm. habit do you have brothers and sisters i've got two elder sisters okay so you're the youngest i'm the youngest a lot younger so i was always spoiled because i was like the only boy but like it, it my child was more like a lone only child because my sisters are like 13 and 15 years older than me so i don't know if i was a whoopsie whoopsie or or it took my dad a bit of a breathing period to try again to see if he could get a boy. <laughs> boy he got, for sure. <laughs> have you ever really asked him that question? No, funny enough, I actually never have. Uh, so it's probably something I'll have to. I said, why was I born so l- much later than the others? <laughs> you, can, you should go to that one. That would be huh? a good conversation over a, over a beer or something, you know. Hey, Dad, listen, I, something's been bothering me my whole life. <laughs> And I really, you really, really lay it on. Are the you thing, my real you know? dad? Yeah, are you, yeah. That's the question. I really want to know if I'm. Am I talking to the real guy right there? Yeah. <laughs> that put him under the spot. I will. The spot. So, your sisters have they been big supporters of yours all the way through, or do you, do they stay involved in the sport? Because I can't say that I've met them myself. Nah, they were they were supportive of me when I was a kid doing the ATCC ranks, and obviously when I started doing five hundred CC, they would just come and watch sometimes when I was riding meetings in Denmark but they've never travelled with me oh, and stuff like that because sure. they have their life of their own with families and etc both have kids and stuff too yep uh, both have two kids right same on. as me two cool. kids as well so it's sort of a comparison all the way through no kidding oh man so you okay growing up then so you did that if in Denmark you guys start on fifty cc's normally, right, or even is eight? Well, they can now they start on the PW fifties, the motocross bikes, which they convert a little bit into today speedway yeah. bikes, and yeah. you know take off the brakes and, and stuff, which is good. But end of the day, it's all about just the kids having having fun, and sometimes I'm always been a lover of speedway, and if I have a a day off or, or so if I got the opportunity I would go watch the kids ride because mm-hmm. I remember me growing up I missed the opportunity to see my my heroes or wherever that they would come because being being idols and stuff if they would just turn up one day and look at your bike you know you can live for, on that for so long mm-hmm. so I try to try to give something back to the sport and obviously going to watch some of the kids ride it, it, it's nice to see them ride and how into the speedway they are but sometimes it's a bit frightened that the, the parents wouldn't let them play with the other kid before the meeting because obviously it's a competition oh. and everyone wants to win but end of the day it's all it's, it's mostly about the kids having fun and enjoying what they do so the the competition or the racing aspect is installed quite early it's and in some aspects but i always look at denmark anyway you guys are by far leaders i think in producing riders from a very young age if you look at it and the number of licenses you guys have in your country for for Denmark being a smaller country of five point whatever million mm. people and you look at the number of speedway licenses you have it's un- it's sick unreal it, it is and again is it's thanks to the 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 modern not the the golden era of speedway from the 80s because many of the riders we have now 
the dad used to write or tried to have a career and, and mm-hmm. stuff. So obviously the more successful a country is, the more is advertised, not advertised, but shown on TV or is, is in the local paper and everything. But yeah, we do seem to develop a lot of um, talents and it, it's, again, it's done through work of all, both of our idol Eric you know he he's so enthusiasm of a speedway like seeing him today he f- flies around the tracks on his little thingy and yeah. you know he's so inspirational and uh, you know watching him sh- just shows me why I like to be a speed rider yeah, as you said both that uh, you and I both have him as our top He's by far the the top idol in my career. You know, mm. I I always say Bruce Penhall because from a young age yeah. it was that. But when my professional career started in Europe, there is no bigger person in the sport than him. I had Lance King my first year, and then lived with Eric the next year. And that point of learning, you know, looking at him as this god. You know, mm. I got to race with him, and you know, before he had his accident, and then got to the opportunity to live with him. I was like. This is like the golden ages, and I'm getting. This guy's actually knows how to win world championships, and he's a regular guy. It's okay to go and have a good time or have a drink with your buddies, and and then tomorrow we're gonna go racing. You know, you can't be. You gotta work hard, but you have to have a good time at the same time. And mm-hmm. Charge your batteries. Totally, and I I understood then that you know you don't need to be. It doesn't need to be like the army, but you need to just have your priorities right. Yeah. And there he is out there today, still going strong, teaching kids, you know, and he's, what is he? I don't know how many years older. I don't want to talk about the age. No, no. Age is just a number nowadays, but still. It's kind of like you and I sitting there. (laughs) It's the same kind of deal. (laughs) And he's the man. When I see him at the track, I still get kind of like starstruck when I go go talk to him. Literally, I still feel that way. Yet I have this crazy almost like father-son relationship with him, you know? I can go up to him and give him a big kiss or something, you know, and and uh, and everything's normal. But I still get excited when I see him, like, there's my idol. Mm. I'm the same, I'm the same. And luckily, he he comes out and watches many Danish league meetings and he's there either helping people, younger riders, or he just likes it. And, you know, you can't, like you said, you, you get... Your day seems to turn a little bit even better when he turns up because he brings so much with him. You know, he, he's always smiling and his enthusiasm for the sport it just rubs up on you. One of the years you were in the GP there when you came out with the replica suit mm-hmm. with his, and I remember with the tongue on the back. When you walked out, man, I I remember going and shaking your hand and like giving you knuckles, like, dude, that was the most cool thing, literally and the most respect a rider could have or show for an idol, for a hero, a pillar, an icon, what do you want to call Eric, you know? What year was that? Uh, 2009. So that goes back to that period. And, you know, then I understood. You and I were already buddies or, you know, what have you. But you went up so much in my... I didn't realize what a fan you were, a hero mm. Eric was to you, too. But you went up in my rankings so high when I saw that. I'm like, there's a good guy right there. You know, for me, I'm like, say no more. That just confirms it. So hats off to you, dude. Respect. Thanks, man. That's <laughs> for sure. It was funny because uh, going back again to my childhood, you know, Eric was always battling with hands for the championship. And my dad was a Hans Nielsen fan. Oh, man. So, you guys had it all. So we had house, it, you know, right? watching. It was his rider or my rider winning. And obviously, I wanted my rider to win always. Yeah. 
But they, they were they were so good back in the day. They were very good, but they were so different. Like Hans had the black suit and Eric had the white one, so they stood out as well, different. So well said. It, it was so great. It was so cool. And you know, Eric being my my idol and stuff. When I started riding the ATCC back in them, I had these colours, you know, the yellow, white, and black, and white suit, and and all this. And I carried that with me up until I started my career in in England I had the first season 2001 at Poole obviously I didn't know about team suits and stuff back then it was mm -hmm. a different thing you had your uh, personal suit yeah come to England and suddenly I had a blue suit and for me I always liked my kid to look good so I thought oh the following year I didn't really want to have a yellow suit with uh, sorry a yellow bike with blue suit and that's I changed my color scheme a little bit yeah so I, I went into blue for a period of time and the 2008 season had started and the GP, we did GPs and I think the Copenhagen one was probably the fourth or fifth, I can't remember. But I always play with the idea, going back to the mind game of Speedway, mm -hmm. I always liked the idea of what, what happens if we change our colour scheme completely from one day to another because it would affect the, my other riders. Because like we've talked about, it's a mind game, whether you, it's a mind game being tough on track people wouldn't wouldn't expect it and it, it hasn't been seen in speedway before so I, I spoke to the suit manufacturers and i had a year the week before a set of guards made and just to see how it looked and said yeah we're going with that but it was a it was the whole thing we didn't just change the suit or anything we changed the whole color scheme like gold wheels on the bike like eric had and i didn't want it to show up on practice so i practiced on the friday at copenhagen using my normal kid and big applause to my mechanic. They work hard at night changing mud guards and wheels and everything. And like you said, the next day we, we rocked out. We was like a complete different rider with different colour scheme. So and it cool. was cool. And I just remember walking in, I see everyone's got just dropped completely because of what, what just happened here? This is, who is it? Or what happened? Yeah, I think I dropped a few points on that one. <laughs> again, <laughs> Probably, like, yeah, thinking, funny, no. It, again, it, it's like we spoke about. It is a mind game in Speedway as well. And yeah. Doing that, people just—it's something that they hadn't seen before, and it's—they yeah, got—they sh got shaken up by it, and yeah, I, I made the final. Yeah, it worked. It worked, you know, and that just showed. That's what I mean. You floored mm -hmm. me. Like I was just like, wow, how cool. <laughs> yeah, to look at it like that, and I like the way you just put it there—the black and the white between the two of those guys—and that is—that's them in a nutshell, right? You got hands is like that. Eric is like that. Who's the gray one? It's hard could, to tell. Could you say that? I mean, there's been so many guys in that group, and that's a good range. You've got, and everything in between is was uh, probably a. Uh, they got something out of Eric, and they got something out of Hands, and they made up the difference. Mm -hmm. They got the experience, they got the success, and like you said, they those guys killed it in the '80s. They basically changed Speedway completely, and dominated. I mean, they came to the states in the World Team Cups there in 85 and then in 88 and just cleaned the floor. You know, we, we gave them a run, but yeah. when, it, when they're going, it got tough and it got serious. They just handed it to us. I just so. remember watching the World Finals. It, it was it was not a question who would win. It was a question, would it be Hans or Eric winning? Absolutely, right? Yeah, there was and, no others in between. There's only a be between them two. And I'm pretty sure that their competition was the same. They felt the same. It was like, who am I going to be? Second or third two yeah. in this, and trying to find how do you beat those guys? Because 
they knew how to switch it up. And that was a one-day finals back then. So it was luck, but they were so good, they made their own luck. They didn't mm. Well, luck. you make your own luck in Speedway. Yeah, it's and they were, pre- they were prepared, you know. Proper professional. Absolutely. And, I mean, it was only, was it 89 in Munich? Was it Munich 89? 88, why not? No, 88, 80, 88 was in Bradford when, when he crashed. won there. and Or no, sorry, no. That was Voyens, right? Yeah. If I got it right. And then 80, I think 89 was Munich. And Hans won. Yeah. And Eric had a breakdown, I think. Yeah, otherwise he would have finished. Uh, come, he would have been on the podium, but he broke down. Wasn't it like that? And then he had his accident after that. Yeah, right. Bradford. So I, I just remember that. since That was the breakdown, that... The mysterious breakdown that probably cost him in the end. Because we're Eric fans, of course, it cost mm-hmm. him in the end. So. Did, of course. <laughs> but um, I think having to go up against Hans in his first ride sort of killed it a bit because he, he got beaten at Munich in his first heat by Hans and it's sort of like, oh, he's beat me now. Yeah. Oh, the championship is his. Yeah. And then he had his mysterious breakdown as well, yeah. which obviously cost him. It was easier to wash it away, too, yeah. probably. Like, yeah. Otherwise, I would have had you. Yes, of course. <laughs> so you guys have had a lot to live up to, yet you guys have had a ton of success through the 90s, of course, off and on, and even in the 2000s. So you've been a part of a few of those those successes, I think. Yeah, I've been considering myself lucky. I've been yeah, the captain of the Danish side, winning, you know, lifting the trophy a couple of times with him. And it is something special when you ride for your country. Totally. And, you know, I put a lot of pride in it. And, like I said, I was lucky to captain the side to lucky. two gold. You were lucky. Oh, I was lucky. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know how lucky you were. <laughs> I think that spot was earned. <laughs> but I can say that. You can say luck. Yeah, it doesn't sound too too good, though. It's better to say I was lucky. You just got to say, I own that position. I have fun with it. No, but everybody, I remember back in the day, too, it was red and white Danish dynamite. So, I mean, I always think of that even to today when the Danes win. I'm like, yeah, red and white Danish dynamite. There they go again. There's a, you know? there's a tune in Denmark made out of that as well. Really? It's like, we are red, we are right, we are Danish dynamite. Guys I have Danish. heard that. Yeah. So, do you guys like say that before the races and stuff? No. Yeah, come might, on. Might have done back then, but uh, yeah, no. See, that's what you got to bring that back. Got to get everybody going and get the chant going again. Maybe I should be running the national side. You should just give hands a nut, an <laughs> elbow and just say, hey, "Move over, dude." Move over. I'm gonna bring back the Danish dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. So we've we've been talking a little bit today too, and even yesterday we talk all the time, but. Some of the things that we talked about this morning, I wish I would have had the mic- microphone on because we touched on so many things that you don't you don't realize and and um, you know from coming up, you were, I, I you you've been in Dakona off and on for. This what? is my this is my fifteenth season. I did I did thirteen season in one go here. You know this is my sweetest home. Uh, obviously. <laughs> When I've raced for other clubs, uh, I did the best I could for the clubs, but it was never home. Mm-hmm. This was my, this was my second second club in Sweden. Uh, the people who was at the club back then are still involved in some some things at the stadium, and the whole progress with Molilla, seeing the stadium being 
every year we came for new season there is improvements on the pits or on the actual stands and back then when they talked about um, having GPs you were sort of like ah oh, come on come on mm-hmm. wake up and you know fair play they they were always a club with ambition and it's always a pleasure to come here and, and to be back here again like I said it, it is home and it's just nice to be back I'm pretty excited because I've never been in this team either. This is my first year here, and I've—I mean, I've watched them grow year after year. And when they put a Grand Prix here in the B, I'm thinking, why? Why the place is in the middle of the forest? You know, like you know, no disrespect, but it's in the middle of the forest. Why would they have a Grand Prix there? But some of the best Grand Prix events ever have been there for the racetrack. It doesn't matter the location where it's at, and it might be difficult to get in and out, but they have killer camping areas they always have this massive facility for fan zones and there's always rain somewhere there's always rain in Molilla yeah always and it wasn't called a thriller at Molilla for no reason <laughs> there you go <laughs> so you need to witness it you got to come and check it out right rain is going to come guaranteed it's going to be on practice day or it's going to be some point or maybe even right before the final right or just on parade you're just on parade it's going to go somewhere in between it's going to be there but now I'm there I'm super excited. We have a cool group of guys in this team, and we always we're the kind of group that can gel, and together we can we can have a lot of success. And I hope that we do. We're going to create some luck, and we are. It should be really fun. But I've only I've only won one championship with this team, even though I've been racing for the club so many years. So it would be nice to to get more. And like you said, we have a very good team of. There's a big mix. There's a good mix of experience and youth. And thank you. <laughs> yeah, you'd experience one other youth one. Yeah, that's what I mean. Thank you. That's why I said thanks. <laughs> no problems. Uh, I've been in many teams uh, through my career, and we've not always had the strongest team on paper, but we've gelled so well off track, which actually made us perform better on track. And totally. again, looking at this team, is a team is similar in many ways, and we can definitely do this. And the, the cool thing is when you look at these guys, we're all capable of having uh, an off night, a good night, but there's always guys who can take over. Can take over, and that's what that's why it's a team, mm-hmm. and that's what we, that's what there's, we need. Again, there's no iron team. That's a good thing. I never heard that one. That's pretty good. Right. I like that. So you 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 started. I I still look at you, like I said. I look at you as as a young guy in the sport still. Yet you've been around. For a lot of years, it's only lately that I can grow a beard, so that's why I probably yeah. I don't see any funny color in yours yet, <laughs> so it's uh, you're, you're you're holding them pretty natural. <laughs> it is natural. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but you, what you said this morning, I didn't realize, and it's kind of cool because we sat. Luke Becker's been hanging with me, as everybody knows. I keep mentioning his name, but that's it's been fun because. He doesn't know a lot about you guys. He looks, you're, you're a star to him too. So he gets starstruck and suddenly he's sitting across the table from Hans Anderson and his mechanics and like he is with all the guys. And he's just, he doesn't know what to say sometimes. And then he realizes like, God, these are regular guys, right? They're pretty cool. But hearing your story this morning as being a kid with your, you started riding in Sweden before you started riding in England. Yeah. As you said this morning. But well, I, had were, a, I had a semi-pro career even before I... I went to England because I did an apprenticeship as a toolmaker. But even through that period, I was still riding regularly in Sweden, Poland and Denmark. And luckily, I had a a place where they supported my racing uh, in a way. Instead of having three weeks holiday, 
they said I could use them t- them three weeks day by day, and which meant every Tuesday from May onwards, I wasn't at work. I was in Sweden riding uh, here in Molilla. Dang. This part about you I didn't know. I had no idea. And, of course, there's a lot I don't know about you. But for me, this is fascinating because I know how I was at a, at a young age and working. I, had, I finished school. I quit school early, like half a year early, to go to work because I couldn't afford to go race. And my dad's like, I can't afford to keep doing this, you know. And I thought, the only way I can do this. He says I have to go to school, otherwise I can't race. But if I go to school, I can't race either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I jumped out early, went to work. Went racing four nights a week, get up in the morning, go back to work, or go to school half day in the beginning, and then go to work, and then go racing. Then I quit the school to work almost as much of the day as I could. And hearing your story today made mine feel simple, because you were going to work, and then you were driving to Poland, and racing Sundays, driving, bolting your butt back to Denmark to go to work Monday? Yeah, Monday morning, and obviously Poland was a bit different back Back in that day, you, you never knew if you was going to be stuck at the border for a half hour or four hours. Um, but yeah, whatever time I got in in the morning, it was obviously later than I was supposed to meet in at work. So I stayed in. <laughs> if I if I took turned up an hour or two hours later, I would stay behind an hour or two hours later to make sure that I have enough hours in my shift before going to Sweden the next morning. Coming back from, from Sweden in the middle of the night, I would sometimes, rather than going into my bed at home, I would just keep in the van because I was asleep already. So no rather than jump out of the van, I would just get another hour or two in, in the van before I would jump out and go straight to work Man. on a Wednesday morning. And you know Wednesdays has always been Danish league day, so straight after work, straight to, to a league meeting. But then come, come Thursday, I was a bit knackered, but... I was preparing myself for another Sunday in Poland. Your time card must look funny when you when you started work in the morning. Met with other, it just sounds funny. You go click. <laughs> One morning might start at ten. When next morning starts at six, and then, but you still yeah. made up the hours somewhere in between. Yeah, uh, the only like I said, my the company where I did my apprenticeship were very supportive of my racing, and the only thing they said make sure you end of the week you've got the right amount of hours to put in. So I was I was pretty flexible with my job and. You know, it was something I enjoyed. I never made any secrets because when I went to the company and applied for apprenticeship, mm-hmm. I said to them, just as you know, I'm only doing this so I can get knowledge of tool making and so I can machine various bits for my speedway bike. <laughs> but I don't plan when I finish, I won't be working in this company. I'll go pursue a professional career in England as a speedway rider. And... The final day of my apprenticeship, I wasn't there. I had press day in England. <laughs> Told you. Told you. And, you know, they were cool with it. And, like, again, like I said, if they were, wasn't supported, it wouldn't have been, it couldn't have happened and it probably wouldn't have made me the rider, which I am today. Um, For the work ethic and everything that you mm-hmm. got out of it? I've had, I've had clubs in England trying to get me over uh, at a very young age, but I didn't, I wasn't ready, you know, having to leave your base at home, Denmark, to go live in another country. I know you went early, but I thought, I'll do the apprenticeship, and when I finish that, I'll be 20 years old. Then I'll probably mature enough to go live in another country by myself, and that's what I did. Dude, it's, uh, 
it's it's pretty amazing. And if you listening to you talk to, I don't know how many people know how. I mean, your accent, your English is is better than most English speaking people. You have you have kind of. I couldn't say where your accent would be from, but it would be hard to say that you're Danish listening to you speak English. I know, and people use especially in England. They used to ask me if I was Australian. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, how, yeah, totally. why, why I've got like an ex- Australian accent in some ways because I, I started off riding for Pool, which is south of England, not north or anything, and it's just weird. It is, yeah, because you do sound like an Aussie much of the the way you speak, you know, and then but your accent can be really blended. It's it's hard to. You you were saying earlier too how you know you watch TV and you can you know so after traveling so many years you can spot the guy who's German spot the guy who's Swedish Russian whatever just by listening to them talking but you'd be a hard guy to spot <laughs> you could you could fool a lot of people <laughs> well last week we was in Sweden I I decided to go in and have my hair cut and speaking to the lady while she was cutting my hair she said oh so you're from this area and stuff and I said no she, said, she couldn't tell I wasn't Swedish which is a good thing. So you trying to, I'll just try to blend in with my surroundings. You're too, yeah, you're like a chameleon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can, um, you speak Danish, obviously. You speak very good Swedish with, uh, you know, mm-hmm. your dialect, your accent. Your English is phenomenal. I've heard you speak some Polish. And I know now that you also speak German. I mean, yep. there, there's five languages that you can, pr- you can pretty much... You can get by. and I can get by. I can order food. I can, you know, get how much I need to pay at various shops. And, you know, it's easy. I've always been pretty easy with, with languages, but it's something which interests me as well. And nowadays with the Polish, you need to know because all the mechanics are Polish and you need to know if they talk about you. That's right. You're, <laughs> yeah, you've done good there. You've done really good there. And that's and you're, you're, you're in that way, you're good too because knowing you the way I know you too it's like there's no beating around the bush is it like this or is it not going to be like this and that's okay either way mm. you know I can run the gray area but hey I don't want if you're if you're messing with me that's not cool you're out of here kind of a deal and I think well at least have the courage to tell me face to face rather than bat mouthing me behind my back for sure and again going back to a little bit up for me it's very important to give something back to the fans I have or just to Speedway in general because it's given me so much so again, walking up to a supporter in Poland and being able to say hello and how are you, etc. in his own language, wow. it means a lot to them. And it's something I put pride in, you know, because without the fans, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. So like I said, it's always, for me, it's been important to give something back to the sport, whether it's go watch the kids ride or go meet the fans in Sweden or England or, or wherever. And like I said, it's a bit, it means a lot to them if you can speak to them in their language, because I know like Poland now, people are a lot more international there now than mm-hmm. when we two started riding in Poland. They could, you know, it was lucky if you could get someone to speak even German. Yeah, that that's pretty true. And like you said, if you can, I remember Hans Nielsen doing that too. That's one other memory I have of him. Early days in Poland, we were standing on a parade somewhere and he started speaking Polish to a guy that came up to him on the parade. And, and I was like, Look at him going, whoa, <laughs> he can speak Polish. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, being a young kid then, I'm like, and you can't, nobody speaks Polish, only the Polish people. Only the Polish people. Yeah, and I looked and I'm like, dang, Hansa is pretty rad. <laughs> so I I agree. And you're so good with your fans. Your social media is rad. I obviously have follow you too, and I see what you post, and I like how you post, 
information about all your races and the, the points so you can see what the whole team did. There's always a positive in you. You don't, you know, you never make a negative in your, in your statements. If you had a bad day, you say, I, I effed up or I did this wrong or I screwed up or I did that. And, but tomorrow's a new day. And you always, you know, it's like, yeah, maybe I made a mistake, but you know what? Who doesn't? I know. And I think it's something that I've, it's not always been there. Something that's come to me through living. And end of the day, I'm, I'm not ill. You know, life is good. I wake up, I got, now I'm blessed. I got two kids. Yeah. And I try to always look at the positive in every situation, even if it's a bad situation. There's always, if you take the positive out of it, like you say, if you have a bad mean, you can say, oh, at least I made five good starts, but people passed me. So there's some of the other areas you need to look at. But again, there is some positive. You can, it's always easier to take the positive because people quickly just point at the negatives and I don't like negative energy They're, those are easy to find too right negatives, oh, negatives neg- people always find negatives but it's hard for them to well whatever you do in life whether it's speedway or mailman or whatever people oh, you don't have you don't often have people patting you on the back said that was a good job you did today but they would definitely point finger if you did something negative <laughs> I'm with you there <laughs> you know I'm not saying the world is a bad place, but I just in general try every day to to m- make it a better place. Like, doesn't matter if you go to the coffee shop and you say, "Oh, have a good day," or, or you're polite. You know, if totally just how I am. You know, I, I just want to be a general decent bloke, and I try to spread positive energy to my surroundings. Surrounding yourself with the right people, the good people, which probably is why we're buddies too, because, you know, you don't, if, if you weren't that kind of person, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't hang out with you for too long because you can see that even if I give off positive energy, you're really looking at it going, don't come to me with your positive energy. Can't get out of here. Yeah. You know, so it's really cool. You can see that that's like that. And if people aren't your style and the way you are as a person, you might even throw something out there just to see what comes back, to see what kind of person they are. Mm-hmm. And then pong. you... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> See what comes back on the on the return, and then you know right away. It's like, yeah, this guy's. I can hang out with this dude. I can have a beer with him, or I can have a cup of coffee, or whatever. You know, so it's always nicer to hang out with people you can have a laugh with rather than someone going yagging off how bad this is and that is, and oh, <laughs> you know, negative energy rubs off on people and. There's another saying, I, I'm, I keep saying this in English, even though I'm foreign, but, you know, there's one bad apple in the bowl, you know, all the other apples turns so, you know, poor. And you have to remove, if you've got a bad apple in the team, you've got to remove that bad apple quick, mm-hmm. otherwise it can... Exactly. I've, I've, I've been in teams where people, there's been one bad apple and it just affects maybe the, the younger riders because if he says it's shit, it's shit. Yeah, that's true. And you can, and I've been in those teams too. And you go like, you look at everybody on paper, and you go like, man, we got a team on paper, but there's always something in that that group that you go like, I don't know, I'm not sure if this is gonna work, and <laughs> it's proven that it doesn't. And one person can, or one bad apple, I should say. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you there. I like I like that. That's that's really cool. You have two kids, their ages. Uh, just below five and three, and I know because your your oldest is very similar to my 
my youngest, and you guys were visiting us in the States years shortly ago. A, shortly after they were born. Yeah, they were both pretty small, and I still got the photo of us in the restaurant and yeah. them sitting there together, and uh, which is really cool memories. And you understand, like, wow, this is, you know, time flies. And I see, like, now you got the picture of your kids on your suit, which I got, that's so bitching, so cool. And I see Laguda's done the same now, too. And I, it's so rad because they're always close to you, and it's mm-hmm. that show of pride and family and how important it is to to um, uh, oh, to to respect your the ones around you, and those are the little guys that that are the future. They're they're your offspring, you know. They're going to be the, uh, the whether they're going to be writers or not, I don't know. But you know, they're there and they have the opportunity. We definitely have all the toys in the garage, and, yeah. <laughs> and I've always said, well, I've said to my missus, and you know, if they don't want to ride it, I'll ride it. Yeah. <laughs> and don't you think that all the toys that you're buying in there is is you? More than them, you're like, I really want to ride that thing. So yes. you buy it, like he's gonna ride it. It's, it's just how we are, you know. We just love general. Just love riding our bikes. But the, you just said it right there. It says all the things in the garage. If he doesn't ride it, I'll ride it. So it's all about riding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't matter how you look at it. It's gonna be ridden. It will be ridden. Uh huh. But yeah, you know, I put a lot of pride into my kids. Obviously, um, it, it's it's something I very value a lot. And like you said. Apart from my wife, the kids are the closest to me, so I, th- I think it would be a bit odd if I had a picture of my wife on my suit. You should do it. I probably should do it, but... Do she, one. I don't think she would want me to have it, though, because she hates pic- pictures taken, but the kids are there, and you know, being on my stomach of my suit is closest to my heart. Feels good. Feels Feels very good. You gotta do the picture of your wife on the suit. You gotta do it. <laughs> well, you gotta do it now. Now we've mentioned it, but I don't think she'd like it. It would be a surprise for her on our anniversary. Look, darling, what oh, I've got. Yeah, I'm gonna wear this one at the first GP qualifying round or the first GP. It's gonna be a televised meeting. The... She wouldn't have. To, she wouldn't know about it until I show it off on tally. That's right. So she doesn't listen to the podcast anyway, so she won't hear this, right? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be rad. The only thing I would say though about kids like watching you and uh, and Crumpy as well before before that I, I I do regret a bit having not having kids earlier, not saying that I'm old old but uh, when I had kids it gave me so much more uh, time off because as before I was speedway nonstop. When I wasn't riding myself, I was watching everyone else riding or checking scores on the internet. I was a proper speedway fan as well as a rider. And from the day I had the first son born, it was all about them. When I I was riding, but when I had my time off, I had my time off, and I I just think that probably would have given me a bit bit more um, years ago. You can't regret it. Can't regret it, but I'm making the most of it. Yeah, it's, it's it happened when the time was right. You got the right. You got the right partner and you got the right everything so yeah well, I still had the same partner back then so I could still say it's I, probably her fault right it's her fault she, she put the brakes on all the time huh mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> again a good thing she doesn't listen to I the think my, I think most people like well it's definitely spear riders you can't say when the time's right to have kids because you'll make it you'll make it work yeah but it's not like ah oh, time is right now because we're still traveling not there and at that age you never had the time but once the kid, the child, your your loved one shows up, suddenly you feel like you make the time. I got all the time in the world. Mm. I can make this work. It's not a problem. I just remember in being at home with with my kid, 
it doesn't matter if if everything was falling to bits just outside the window because I was <laughs> I was only there only concentrating on my kid spending as much time as I can with them. And now I mean you're obviously you travel a lot you've I've done similar like you've done like you're doing and riding in all the leagues and then all the getting qualifying for the world championships again you you're a busy man really really busy man. So you have to have a a good partner you have to have somebody who takes care of of life so you can go do what you do so it it's another team right it's another team and it's very important because again someone needs to look after your your kids when you're not there and again it's something that you value uh, value a lot and to make to be sure that they're taken care of in the in the right way but yeah again it's a team effort but at least my wife now she's she, I've been with her for a long time and she's always been supportive of my race otherwise she wouldn't be there because I sort of I sort of made the rules or told us from day one this is it, you know Speedway comes first then you come next <laughs> she's got a really good sense of humour she goes like my <laughs> wife would say too when he's around the guys he's going to say what he wants but when we're together he knows he knows the truth <laughs> I'm the same, you know. She, my wife wears the pants at home. Yeah, that, I'm the boss because she said I could be. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. lucky you. Because she said I could be. Mm. Only because she said. She said, yeah. It's probably <laughs> to make you not look weak in other people's eyes. Absolutely not. I mean, I'm so strong. Yes. I'm just. I'm tough. I'm really, really tough. <laughs> oh, is that another tea, darling? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah, I'll, go, I'll go. Put. I'll go. Put the kettle on. Yeah. Not, I got. No, babe, sit down. Relax. You look tired. You know? <laughs> So that that's that's the key. But you you involve your kids in a lot of what you do, and that shows again. You know, you go to the races. You're saying before too, you take them to the tracks in your Danish league ra- races. Let them go on the parade track. So they are pretty much there. There's a good chance there's going to be some speedway influence, whether you like it or not. Yet, at least they're a part of it, and they they're getting to they're getting to see how many opportunities in life <laughs> could be there. You know. Mm-hmm. Also, meeting other people as well, because yeah, obviously going through life, if you have a normal life, you will have a lot of friends and people you know. But for me and probably yourself, some of my best mates and, and friends in, in my day of living is from, from Speedway. I've met them through Speedway. Uh, obviously, oh, I've still got mates in a normal life off track, but it's not the same because you share so many things with the people you get involved with through Speedway. The ups and downs, the travels, the delayed flights or whatever. It's something that you can all rely to. Yeah, it's it is like that. And it's, you know, this this never ending quest for for the sport that we love. It's so hard to let go of it. But you have you maintain this family life, you maintain this travel life, your desire to be the world champ you still, you've been in the Grand Prix and you know how tough it is to, to get to the Grand Prix. You know how tough it is to stay in the Grand Prix and you're trying to get back into the Grand Prix now, right? Mm-hmm. I still, again, it's, it's, I've, I'm older now. I'm putting more, you on the spot. Yeah, I'm older now, more experienced, and I look back at it and obviously I, I did have some successful years in the GPs, but never got a medal, which is, was a name. Um, like to see my name in the book in one day 
be remembered for something. Um, oh. But yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely do things differently because, like I said, that period was before my kids as well. I was a Speedway fan. I was it was Speedway, 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 and I look sometimes I think you're a bit like a battery. You only got a hundred percent when you're fully charged, and if you waste thinking Speedway, 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 you use, you use some of that battery. So you might be down to 80% when you come to the races. As as now, if I get back into it, I'll try and only focus on speed when you need to. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm. Clever. Very clever. Yep. I can write a book. should do a book. You How to become should. world champion without not being one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only. I can do the, 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 the title. If only. But you are a world champion anyway. Yeah, I am. Not so. individually, but... Team wise, yes. Yeah, you're you're a team player as much as an individual, but it, it takes, like you said, there's always a, a level of luck. There's always a level of, of um, um, you know, it doesn't matter the work that you put in because you put that work in. But sometimes things just don't line up for one reason or another. But when you've got the desire and you keep fighting, you still, the stars need to line up. And, you know. I'll put it down to my era I had to compete against Tony Rickardson which is without, yeah I know yeah. some <laughs> Swedish guy I think yeah. uh, nah you know everyone it, it's it's strong competitive lineups year after year but looking at it at that time you, it was very strong you had yourself you crazy had Tony you had Crumpy you had Lee Adams not saying that it's not competitive today but no, I, they I'm were just you. super super superstars then yeah, and again, it's a mind game. You you might be better on the day than them, but you lost the race to him because you was a bit stunned by them being so so good. good. I I agree, and I say I never want to say disrespect to the to the Grand Prix um, lineup Line-ups. over the last few these last few years, the last ten years even. But looking at back at that, and you're thinking those there was a list of guys that were were superstars that were any no race you couldn't predict any one heat right you got you know they went through a period there there was probably seven guys or eight guys in the GP who you could count were going to be there all the time yeah and then there was guys who maybe they just they didn't have the head for it they had the ability but maybe just not the head to put it together time and time again where that used to be a one day final but now it's you're getting the six times season. ten times twelve times whatever it was and it's not an easy thing to do but today you know you look at the youth in this in this game and then like you coming into this lineup are right in the middle of that youth so you've been through the youth part you've you've got the experience you've got everything and now you've got the knowledge so when you get back into the grand prix it's going to be a whole another story right you're going to you're going to have a whole another outlook and god was 40 by the time he won as well his first championship so i still got time you got time you're still you're still a young i'm still young you're a whippersnapper so i've, I've uh, only just started like i said i can only just grow a beard now <laughs> <laughs> some teenagers they got a bigger and better beard than i can you know you see them today i say, what have you been eating i always like to look at mads cornelius and i see him with that beard and i'm like, looking <laughs> you can rock it and you can get away with it you're so bitching <laughs> This is a cool, uh, you know, Matt's is a similar age to me and we've raced each other through the rankings. And I, I are, you like, guys, are you guys buddies? We are very, we're good buddies. Um, All right, cool. I like, can understand ag- that. Again, like I said, some of the best friends you have in life is someone you've met through Speedway. Um, and yeah, I've got a lot of time for Matt's. He's so easy to get on with, but he's so funny. And like you said, he, he can rock it. He can rock it. He, he's good like that. 
well, dude, you can rock it too. And you're going to rock it. We're going to rock it together and that kind of this year. And what can I say? I really enjoyed talking to you. I'm sure we could go further. And I hope that you'll come and do some more with us. And it's all for fun. You know, we dig I'll it. Right I need to come back for episode 34, which is my number, not 31. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. I have a I have a history of doing this now. I've done it with one or two guys. And Jack Holder was another one. He was so bummed because he was... He wanted episode 25 or whatever it was. But um, I do that on purpose because I want you to come back. So. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have this deal going right now, too, with our Real 45 intro, the, the rap song, Real 45. <laughs> some people like it. Some hate it. So, you know, Jack says that he's going to do his own intro for us, but I haven't heard it. So are, are, could you do one? Possibly. Okay. Possibly. I'll, but I'll wait for episode 34 because it's my number. So I might have to come back to an episode 34 then. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Won't be that long then. Yeah, don't. Be careful what you promise now. Uh, I always <laughs> keep my promises. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> Hands, thanks, bro. All right, mate. Catch no up with you again soon, buddy. Soon. You're the best. Welcome to Real 45 with Stefan and Greg Hancock. We vibe out and have real talk, so tune in and check this out. Yeah, today is a new day. Let's seize it now and get hyped. We talking about our careers, our family, and just life. Yeah, share my story with you.